Happy Preakness Day, horse racing fans. Walters will be showing the race with sound this evening, followed by the Capitals' first-round matchup against the Boston Bruins. Walters would like to wish the Capitals the best of luck in the 2021 Stanley Cup playoffs. Reservations for tonight's matchup against the Bruins are still available at opentable.com. Sunday evening, D.C. United returns to Audi Field for a matchup against Orlando City. Come watch the Nats take on Arizona before you head on over to the match. Vamos, United! Busy sports weekend for this area, whether you like hockey, baseball, soccer, or even the horses. Plenty of chances to hang out with friends at Walters. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The kick of the pitch. Breaking ball hit in the air to left field. This is way back there and will fall in along the line. And in the score from third is Gomes. And Robles in the second with a double. Nine Nationals have batted in the inning. It's now Washington six and Arizona nothing. Here's a swing and a drive to right toward the line. Will it stay fair? It does. Bounces into the corner for extra bases. Bell scores from third. Rounding third is Gomes. He comes in to score. On a double to right, just fair down the right field line into the corner, and two runs batted in for Trey Turner. He now has knocked in 18 for the year with three in this game, and the Nationals are in double digits on the scoreboard. It's Washington 10, Arizona nothing. And the pitch, slow breaking ball, hit in the air to deep right field. This is way back, and this one is long gone, goodbye. Bang, zoom goes Andrew Stevenson. With his second home run of the year, it is a three-run shot. 440 feet, the estimated distance on that one. And it's now Washington 17 and Arizona 1. And welcome to Nats Chat for Saturday, May 15, 2021, along with Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. A no-doubt route for the Nationals in Game 1 of a seven-game road trip, Game 1 of a three-game series at the Arizona Diamondbacks. 17-2 the final at the D-backs on Friday night. Arizona got a safety late in the game. Nats get to 15-19, and 19, 22 hits, 5 walks, 9 of 26 with runners in scoring position. There are a ton of numbers we can get into with this game. But maybe the best part is the Nats do this despite Juan Soto having one hit and one walk and Starling Castro's 11-game hitting streak ending, him going 0 for 6 with a walk. Go figure, Mark. The Nats explode despite two of their better hitters actually not having great nights. Yeah, I had the exact same thought watching this game, Al, that if I had told you that Juan Soto and Starlin Castro would combine for one hit between them, how many runs would you have thought this team was going to score in this game? 
I guarantee it was nowhere close to 17. <laughs> I can promise you that. That was something to watch. Not the highest competition they were facing on the mound. Not even David Peralta, who was pitching the ninth inning for the Diamondbacks. But hey, good for them. They went out there, the nice, hot, dry air out in Phoenix. I wish I was there. It's my hometown. With the roof open, the panels open at Chase Field, the ball flies. They came right from the get-go. Trey Turner leads off the game with a home run. Before you know it, they're up 6 nothing, and it was on cruise control the rest of the way. The Nats, with just this game, improved their run differential on the season from minus 20 to minus 5. You know, you mentioned David Peralta. Quick thought on that. David Peralta is one of the Diamondbacks' best players. He won the 2018 National League Silver Slugger and uh, also won the 2019 National League Gold Glove Award for left fielders. And they have him pitching like that. I mean, I know it's kind of a fun thing. And, you know, he got tattooed in that inning. But I would never, as a manager, use one of my better players in a spot like that and have him pitch. I mean, God forbid the guy gets hurt pitching at the end of some blowout loss. I just thought that was a weird decision by the Diamondbacks. Yeah, and I've heard managers before say they don't want to do that kind of thing. Like Bryce Harper desperately wanted to pitch when he was here. And no matter who his manager was, they said, no, that's never going to happen. Not at all. You see it sometimes for a guy at the end of his career, someone who's always wanted to do it. I think Adam LaRoche got to do it. Adam Dunn got to do it with the White Sox. But when they're in their prime, no, that is dangerous. Didn't Jose Canseco get hurt pitching many years ago? So there's a fine line to walk there. Look, it's fun. We enjoy watching it sometimes. It can be a lighthearted moment at the end of a blowout game. But there is some risk involved. And yeah, I, I agree. I was surprised. I don't know who Arizona's other options are for something like that. But I was surprised that Torrey Lavello was willing to do that with, you know, a guy who was what? He was hitting cleanup for them in this game. That's a little odd. That's strange. I thought that was a total unnecessary risk, but whatever. That's a Diamondbacks problem. So a lot of Nationals had big games. Nobody had a bigger game than Jan Gomes, who threatened hitting for the cycle, ultimately did not. But he finishes with five hits, two RBI, scores four runs. It's a reminder of the offensive force. Yes, I said force that Jan Gomes really has been as a hitting catcher for the Nationals over the last few seasons. What was funny is he's facing Peralta in that top of the ninth inning, and you're figuring, okay, he needs a home run. This would seem like a prime spot to do that. He did end up getting a hit, but did not get the home run, sadly. No, and he said, he laughed about it when he, talking. He said that that was his most nervous at bat of the game. He doesn't like facing position players because it's just everything about it is so different. The crowd was like getting into it and cheering every strike. He's throwing 62 mile an hour somethings up there. I don't even know what they registered on officially for StatCast. But Jan said once he got the two strikes, it was all just about do not strike out, do not strike out. That's like the ultimate indignity for a big league position player to strike out against one of those guys. So he just wanted the single at that point. But he also said he's never been in a position to hit for the cycle, let alone to have three chances at it. How rare is that for somebody to have three chances to hit for the cycle. He was going for it in one of the at-bats, he said, not in all of them. But good for him for putting together a great game. And listen to these numbers now for the season for him. He's hitting 288. He's slugging 500. He's got an 821 OPS. Only Trey Turner and Ryan Zimmerman have a higher OPS on the team than Jan Gomes. And for a team that has struggled to score runs and has not seen its big boys do nearly enough, that's a nice little bonus to have a catcher who can do that for you. He has come up big for them, both at the plate and behind the plate this year. That's been a significant improvement for this team compared to what they were getting the last two years with the Gomes and Suzuki combination. Yeah, and can't emphasize this enough. There are so few good hitting catchers in Major League Baseball these days. So if you have one of those guys, that's a real benefit to you. That's a real advantage for you. And the Nationals do have that 
and Jan Gomes. And how about the job he did in some pitcher counts in this game on Friday night? One out, two run double in the Nats, six run first. Lead off triple on a one-two pitch in the Nats, one run third. He had a single in the top of the six on an 0-2 pitch. And even in that at-bat against Peralta, one out full count single in the three-run ninth. That comes despite him actually having been down to the count at one point, 0-2. So five of six, triple-double, three singles, tremendous game for Jan Gomes. How about the game from Kyle Schwarber? He ends up reaching base six times, six times in the game. He goes three for four with a homer, two singles, two walks, and a hit by pitch, finished with two RBI. I brought this up in our last installment of the Nats Chat Podcast. Schwarber's kind of busting out here a little bit. I mean, I don't think we're there yet where we can, you know, plant the flag and say he's arrived, but he's looked better as a hitter recently. Certainly looked good in the game on Friday night. He's definitely starting to come around. I'd say more than Josh Bell, who did have a a two-run double in this game and a single. So, I mean, that's better than what we've seen from him. But Schwarber, even beyond the results, it's the way that he looks. The home run for the second straight day, opposite field taking an outside pitch and driving it to the opposite field. That's a great sign, something he has talked about that he needs to do. Being patient enough to take his walks. He's always been a high walk guy at the plate, so that was good. And then I loved the hit by pitch in the ninth against Peralta. He faked it like he was uh, in serious pain at one point, so he was having some fun with that one too. It's good to see him smile and enjoying himself. And, you know, a long way to go. I don't want to get too, you know, duped in any of this from any of these guys. But we've seen some signs here the last several days that Schwarber is uh, perhaps breaking out of this thing for good. Yeah, Kyle Schwarber in the month of May has an on-base percentage of 400, a slugging percentage of 525. That's more like it. That's the Kyle Schwarber that, of course, the Nationals were hoping to see. That two-out solo homer in the top of the second coming on a 1-2 pitch, so a good piece of hitting there by Kyle Schwarber. So you mentioned Josh Bell. He goes two for five with a double, a single, a walk, and three runs batted in. He was as the number six batter once again, so perhaps that's his new spot in the lineup. But, you know, mentioning guys doing well in pitcher counts, Bell did do that in the game on Friday night. One out, two run double on an 0-2 pitch in that national six run first. He had a leadoff full count walk in the three run fifth, despite having been down in that count at 1.02. He had a leadoff single in the top of the six, despite having been down in that count at 1.02. So some good signs from Bell. Like we keep saying, we're not going to go nuts until we see it consistently from him, but nice to see him doing better here recently. It is. And and you've got to think that for all of them, it's like a morale boost. You have two games in a row that are going well. This one was a complete laugher that they were able to enjoy all the way through it. It's got to make a difference, I think, just emotionally, mentally for them. It's been a grind this first month plus of the season where, as we've seen pretty much each of the last four years, when they dig themselves into these holes and now every game takes on more importance because you're trying to claw your way back just to the 500 mark. And so it wears on you after a while. And so I think it's got to be nice for them to have a couple of games like this where maybe you can relax, enjoy it. Davey wants them to have fun. They certainly had fun in this game. How can you not when you're up 6 nothing in the first inning and cruise 17-2? to Maybe that is what they needed. You know, Again, we don't want to be duped by this. We don't want to jump to any conclusions. But if it was going to happen, if you're going to have a big turnaround, these are the kind of games that help make it possible. Yeah, I agree. Uh, some other standouts, Trey Turner, two for five, homer double, three RBI. Victor Robles had himself a game on Friday night. Number nine batter, batting behind the pitcher again, but uh, two for two with two RBI doubles and a hit by pitch. I got a kick out of Josh Harrison's night. It looked like he was having a bad game, and then, of course, he ends up getting up to hit like 10 more times. So he finishes with three singles and an RBI. 
And Davey, of course, unloaded his bench as the game went on. And the bench guys all ended up coming through. Jordy Mercer, one-out double, 0-2 pitch in the three-run ninth. Yadiel Hernandez, pinch single in the two-run eighth. And Andrew Stevenson, one-out single in the two-run eighth. And then a one-out three-run homer on an 0-2 pitch off Peralta in that three-run ninth. And in a spot like that, with Peralta throwing, you know, 40 miles per hour or whatever it was, all of the power has to come from Stevenson, and he delivered with that homer. That one had to feel good for him because he has not hit for power so far this year. So just who cares who it was off of or what the score was at the time? That can do a lot for him. Now, he was in the game because Robles was hit by a pitch on the back of his left leg, got him right on the hamstring, and you could see he was in some pain. He took first base, thought everything was going to be fine, and then ran first to third on the Trey Turner double and something about it didn't look right, and they decided to pull him there. So I think it's precautionary. Going to give him some treatment. They're going to see how he is on Saturday. I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up missing a game or two as because of it, but it's a bruise, if anything. You take a, a fastball off your hamstring. There's nothing nothing to break there, but um, that can't have felt comfortable for Victor. And it's too bad because he did have a really nice night at the plate, and you hope that this doesn't disrupt that at all. So as you have gathered by our conversation, the Nats hit for power, a lot of power on Friday night. It's what we've been begging for. It's what we haven't seen nearly enough of. But the Nats finished with 22 hits. The 22 hits consisted of three homers, a triple, six doubles, and 12 singles. The Nats in a six-run top of the first had a homer, three doubles, a single, and two walks. Really good to see this. I know you noted this on Twitter. Nationals come into the day with a slugging percentage as a team below 390 and end up hitting for a whole lot of power on Friday night. Awesome to see that. Yeah, so they entered the day slugging 381 as a team, and in this game alone, they slugged 765. (laughs) So basically twice their typical slugging. I couldn't believe this stat. I knew it was low. I did not realize it was this low. They averaged 2.4 extra base hits per game. That's nothing. 2.4 per game. They had four of them in the first inning alone, seven of them within the first three innings, and then 10 for the game in total. Again, I don't know if this is one game's an outlier. We're not going to see anything like this again, but they are capable of it. They certainly have hitters who are capable of driving the ball and you know running more than 90 feet at a time, and it does make a difference. So let's see, can this carry over to anything else? I do think this is a good road trip for them to try to do something. Like I said, warm air, warm, dry air in Arizona against a team that's not all that imposing and a pitching staff that doesn't look that great. They're not facing Bumgarner this weekend. I think it's a bullpen game Saturday. So there may be some opportunity to get healthy from an offensive standpoint this weekend. And then you go to Wrigley Field, and I don't know what the weather is going to be like. I haven't looked at it yet. But if the wind is blowing out, there's an opportunity to do some stuff there next week. So maybe, just maybe, this could be the road trip that helps get them going from a power standpoint. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey guys, Al Galdi here to tell you about FanDuel. I'm so excited that we have baseball. There's nothing like watching a game with great weather, a cold drink, and a little action on FanDuel Sportsbook. If you've never bet on baseball before, now's actually the perfect time to give that a shot because FanDuel is letting new users swing for the fences risk-free. You'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. And once you have an account, you can get up to $25 back each day if your same-game parlay bet Falls one leg short. This way you can combine multiple baseball bets for an even bigger win all season long. For those interested in betting the Preakness, FanDuel has you covered. Sign up today. Get 20 to 1 odds on any horse to win the Preakness on Saturday. The controversial Medina Spirit is the current favorite. There's a reason that FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. They've got great odds in all different betting markets, unique fun bet types like same game parlay and always on promotions that let you get more action out of every game day. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code CHAT to get in on the action. 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, or West Virginia. First on my real money wager, only for risk-free bet. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site. Credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. Tennessee, 1-800-889-9789, or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Are you interested in buying or selling your home? Support for Nat's Chat comes from Rachel Levy of Compass Real Estate. By focusing on the personal parts of the real estate process and using technology to simplify the rest, Rachel seamlessly guides her clients through their experience. Rachel uses her deep local knowledge and exceptional customer service to advocate for her clients all across D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. To learn more, follow her on Instagram at Real Estate Rachel. Hey, Nat Chat listeners, Tim Shovers here to tell you about Sunday Scaries CBD gummies. If you're someone that struggles with sleeping, I cannot recommend this enough. I've been taking it the past few weeks, and I haven't slept this well in years. Whether you have a racing mind, lying awake at night, or just feel on the verge of a nervous breakdown, Sunday Scaries is always there for you. 
And I also want to thank everyone that has been using the promo code so far. Got a note from Sunday Scaries, and they said, we've had listener participation. Can't thank you enough. Let's keep it up. Go to sundayscaries.com, use the promo code NATSCHAT, get 25% off your first order. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com with the promo code NATSCHAT. Again, one more time. Go to sundayscaries.com, put in the promo code NATSCHAT, and you'll save 25% off your first order. So do that for NATSCHAT, do that for yourself, and you'll sleep better than you have in years. And now the 1-2 pitch. Breaking ball, strike three called, got him looking at a slider. Strikeout number seven for Max Scherzer. This game on Friday night also was a Max Scherzer game, and Scherzer was good again in a short outing. Scherzer only goes five innings. Now, they were five scoreless innings. He had seven strikeouts versus just two hits, both of which were singles, issued a walk through 85 pitches, 55 of which were strikes. And we find out after the game that at least part of the reason for the short outing is that he was under the weather, dealing with a sore throat. What was said about this in terms of why Max only went for the five innings? Well, Max wasn't able to say much at all because you could see it was a strain for him to speak. He was hoarse. Now, he said he felt fine. He said he, there was nothing like physically wrong with him, but he, he had, this is one of the all-time great Max Scherzer quotes, and you should probably question the legitimacy of it if he's like pulling your leg with this, but when Max Scherzer says it, you just believe it. He says, I always knew you use your teeth to throw fastballs. I didn't realize how much you used your throat. <laughs> we just kind of let it slide like, oh yeah, of course you use your throat when you throw fastballs. What are you talking about, Max? I don't know. But he felt it, I guess, as he was pitching. He felt the strain on his throat, maybe because he grunts a lot. I don't know. I think if this is a closer game, that he's staying in there. They're not going to pull him early. But with, I think it was 11 to 1 at the time, and he got his work in, five scoreless, 85 pitches, seven strikeouts, one walk. Davey was like, there's just no reason to push this at all. Let's get some relievers in there, give him the night off, let him you know, drink some hot tea or something and get himself better. But I mean, I don't know what else you can say about him. He's now, remember opening day, we were worried about the home runs. And then he had the game against the Blue Jays where he gave up three homers and Vladimir Guerrero was all over him. Well, he's now got a 2.10 ERA for the season. And over his last six starts, it's 1.60. And that includes the Blue Jays game. 1.60 ERA and a 0.763 whip. So he is peak elite Max Scherzer again. And that is really something to see. And I'm not sure we really knew that we were going to see that again this year. He's doing it every five nights. No, I mean, I think if you're ranking the best storylines for the Nationals so far this season, the most uh, pleasant surprises or just the positive storylines on the year, you could actually argue this is number one, that Max Scherzer is still pitching at a side young level. Because like you just said, we didn't know that he could still get to that level. To me, like he really hadn't been at that level since the middle of the 2019 season. We shouldn't take this for granted that he's pitching like Cy Young Max so far this year. He's been outstanding. 68 strikeouts versus eight walks on the season. Just a tremendous job by Max. So you mentioned the bullpen. Our pal was back yes, yes. on Friday night. Paolo! Paolo was here, back with the Nationals. His uh, time at AAA Rochester only ends up uh, lasting for just a few days. Nationals putting Patrick Corbin on the paternity list on Friday. Corresponding roster move is Espino back from AAA Rochester. We saw the return of Wander Suero on Friday night, his first appearance since his lengthy stint on the 10-day injured list. Uh, he was on that from April 18th to May 12th due to the left oblique strain. Of course, it was Suero being activated that caused Paolo to be demoted. Paolo brought back up. So, you know, you got some of your secondary bullpen guys some work. Two runs in four innings allowed. Will Harris gave up a run 
in the uh, bottom of the sixth inning. Paolo did give up a run over his two innings of work, but good to see our guy back and nice to see Wander Suero make his first appearance back. So it was late at night. It's a blowout game. There shouldn't be any reason to be excited about this one. And I know you and I were excited about both of our guys <laughs> getting in there. You knew Wander Suero. Davey couldn't avoid using him three days in a row. He was going to get in eventually. And so we can fire up the Suero meter again. It has to be adjusted here a little bit because of the time off. But he's now been active for 15 games this year. And he has either pitched or warmed up in the bullpen in 10 of them. So 10 out of 15 is the Suero meter. And I thought he looked pretty good. A strikeout 94 mile an hour cutter. I thought he looked good for, you know, having not pitched in the big leagues in a while. And Paolo, poor guy, you know, who knows what his travel has been like to get to Arizona and join them. But remember last time I said he had been perfect out of the bullpen. It was 20 for 20. And he starts this one and retires the first five that he faces. And he's one out away from ending the game in the ninth and keeping the perfect streak intact. And then the opposing pitcher, David Peralta, singles off him. And that ended that streak. And then an RBI double after that. And so, alas, perfection is no more for Paolo Espino. But good to see him back. And, you know, the fact that they were willing to call him right back up tells you what they think of him, that they are not just looking at this as some kind of bizarre little fluke thing and just keep him around as long as he's pitching well. No, they actually think he can contribute. And that's nice for him, for a guy who's been around the block for a while and has never really had job security. So I'm glad for him that he's got the chance to come back for however long this is now. I mean, if you're basing things on merit, he should have never been demoted. I get why he was, but he did a really good job at the major league level as a reliever. I mean, he got thrust into some weird spots, you know, that spot start, and he got leaned on in some blowouts and things like that, but he ultimately really came through for the Nationals. So as much as we joke, he deserves to be back up at the major league level. All right, so game two of this series will be on Saturday night. Uh, for those of us on the East Coast, it will be a earlier start time, an 8-10 start time at the Diamondbacks. Joe Ross is going to be pitching for the Nats. Nats are going Joe Ross in game two, Eric Fetty in game three. And, you know, we've noted this with Joe Ross. Overall, I think everyone's pleased with the season he's had, especially off him not having pitched last season. He's coming off an outing, though, in which he wasn't at his best. That 3-2 loss at the Yankees last Sunday afternoon. Two runs and five innings on seven strikeouts, yes, but he issued five walks. He threw just 53 of his 97 pitches for strikes. He had just one clean inning. Facing a bad Diamondbacks team, an underwhelming Diamondbacks lineup, you would think this is a good opportunity for Joe Ross to get back to what we saw from him for a good chunk of his season prior to that last outing. Good if he can keep the ball down in the zone. And like I was saying earlier, in the warm weather there, the ball will fly and it's an earlier start, a five o'clock local start. And I think the way they do those is they will start the game with the roof closed and then open it at some point once the sun isn't a factor. So we'll see. The ball carries better when the roof is open. He's got to keep the ball down in the zone. He does that. I think he can handle them. But if he gets in trouble like he did in his last start, where all of a sudden those sinkers, those two seamers are up at belt high or higher, even a weak hitting lineup can connect for a few of those. So he's got to watch out for that. But a chance for him to get back on track with that, keep his strong start to the season going, and a chance just for the team to get some positive momentum. You win the first game of the series like this, you know you're facing what appears on paper to be an inferior club. There is an opportunity here for them to start making some noise and start feeling better about themselves. You know, now let's see. Again, it's one game. You don't want to read too much into it, but they will show up to the ballpark Saturday feeling as good as they have about themselves in a while. And that's a nice spot to be in. 
All right, there was some very good Nationals news even before the 17-2 win at the Diamondbacks late night on Friday night, and that is that Steven Strasburg is very much on the mend and perhaps could be rejoining the Nationals rotation sooner rather than later. He will be making a rehab start for AAA Rochester in a game against Buffalo, which will be taking place in New Jersey, which is kind of confusing, but going to be happening on Sunday. Could it be that this is the lone tune-up that we're going to need from Strasburg, or do you think this is the start of multiple tune-ups for Stras? I think if he can give them five solid innings, get the pitch count up to around 80 or so and come out of it healthy, I think they believe that that could be enough and that they can activate him after that. They're not going to say that for sure going into it, but I think that's the goal. It's the first official tune-up in a competitive game against another team, but he threw the two simulated games against teammates and you know, you treat those, that's why it's called simulated game. You treat it like a real game. He went two innings in the first one and four innings in the second one. So I think he is feeling good. Now, it's a little bit different in a game against another opponent. That'll be nice. It's not the ideal setup. On a rehab assignment, you'd like to be able to go to one of your teams that's at home and somewhere nearby. That would normally be Fredericksburg or even Harrisburg. Unfortunately, the protocols right now say that you have to go to AAA for rehab assignments because they are the only ones who are considered tier one individuals and you know are under the same protocols as all the big leaders. So here's what that means. He's going to pitch for Rochester, who's on the road at Buffalo, except Buffalo's stadium is now needed for the Blue Jays, who are getting ready to leave Dunedin soon and go play at the AAA stadium in Buffalo. So the Buffalo team is playing in Trenton as the Trenton Thunder, and that's where Steven Strasburg will be. If you want to drive all around the East Coast on Sunday, you might find Steven Strasburg. You can find a minor league ballpark somewhere in the East Coast. There's a chance you're going to find Steven Strasburg there. It will be in Trenton. New Jersey. I have no idea what uniforms anyone will be wearing, but hopefully he can give them five innings and then join the team and pitch in a big league park after that. It has taken a while for Strasburg to get back up and running here. It's kind of funny. It was during the Nationals' initial series against the Diamondbacks this season that the Strasburg injury popped up. It was on April 18th that the news came out that Strasburg was going on the 10-day injured list retroactive to the 15th with right shoulder inflammation. And here we are, you know, basically a full month and he's still not back. So hopefully he is back soon. You know, national starting pitching kind of quietly, sneakily, maybe is rounding into form here, right? I mean, Max Scherzer's been very good. Patrick Corbin looks like he's doing well, doing better anyway. We've gotten the surprising success. You know, it's, it's all relative, but Joe Ross, Eric Fetty, John Lester has done a good job so far. You get Strasburg back soon and maybe just maybe this rotation ends up being what the Nationals thought it was going to be going into this season. Yeah, no, I wrote about this Friday morning, so before the series opener. And in so we talked about that Scherzer game in Dunedin where he got lit up by the Blue Jays a little bit. So in 13 games since then, National starters had combined for a 2.86 ERA and 1.042 whip. And that's before Scherzer on Friday night, who only made those numbers better. So yes, they are returning into being an elite pitching staff rotation again, which is what they were supposed to be all along. They're doing it without Strasburg. Scherzer, as we said, has been Cy Young caliber. John Lester has been very good. Joe Ross, we said, has been one of the biggest pleasant surprises. Corbin looks like his old self again. And that brings us to Eric Fetty on Sunday. And I'm sure we'll be previewing that game on the next episode. But this is a big start for him. It may not matter in the end. If Strasburg's ready, he's coming back and somebody's got to go. And Fetty is the obvious choice unless somebody else gets hurt. But he has had some dice starts, but some shaky ones and certainly not the consistency you'd want. If he's going to have any hope of staying in the rotation, he's going to need a big performance on Sunday. 
because it looks like he's going to be out of luck once Strasburg comes back potentially in the next week. Yeah, you're not not bringing Strasburg back into the rotation. We get that. And any notion of like Corbin being removed at this point is off the table. All right, a quick tale from Little League. You can email us, natschatpodcast at gmail.com. Henry Marks writes, I was umpiring a game last week and there was a runner on second, this big kid, probably 5'9", 200 pounds. And there was a slow line drive to the shortstop who's maybe 5'3", buck 30. And the runner goes full chase Utley and takes out this kid's legs while he's trying to catch the ball, making him drop it. Mind you, this ball was way out of the baseline and nowhere near a base. I called interference and a double play on it. One of the weirdest plays I've seen in a while. So we have had in our tales from Little League, tales of uh, fathers not treating sons well, and now tales of violence on the base paths. These emails are taking a dark turn, Mark. This is not the Little League that I've experienced, Al. I can tell you that. Either when I played or as I'm now watching as a father. I don't know what's going on here. We need a little more, you know, a few more uplifting stories. But that, he said Chase Utley. That sounds like, um, wasn't it Albert Bell who took out Fernando Vina with a forearm back in the day? That sounds like a case like that. That's not good. What did he say? This kid was 5'9"? I mean, (laughs) what level are we talking about here? 5'9", 200. I'd be terrified of this person, whether he's 11 or 12 years old. My God. Folks, does anybody belong to a normal little league? Does anybody have any nice, you know, uplifting? I guess they're not as interesting to send in those stories, but give us a nice, positive, you know, feel good little league story. These are, these are frightening to hear about some of these. Yeah. What happened to orange slices and going to shakies after little league <laughs> games? Like, well, what, where's that innocence? We've apparently lost all that, but anyway, uh, keep the tales coming. They have been entertaining. If nothing else, you can email us Nats chat podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet the program at Nats underscore chat. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats chat podcast. Here's a swing and a drive to deep left center field. This one way back. Going, going, gone. Goodbye. Kyle Schwarber goes the opposite way for the second game in a row. That's a bomb to left center field, 424 feet.